Hey, Crackpots, this is Alex from Crackpot Cocktail Hour. Unfortunately, this week, Lacey and I are a little bit down for the count for various reasons. That being said, we decided that we were going to give you a little bit of a treat. Now, like most podcasters, we did not start out perfect, as you've probably heard from our early episodes. And actually, this podcast, many of you do not know, originally started out as a conspiracy theory podcast with a third host. So what we're actually going to share with you today is the very first episode we ever recorded before we decided to go to the strange and unusual format with just Lacey and I hosting. Now, in this episode, you'll actually get to meet Kendall, who was originally our third host. She's amazing. We love her. Unfortunately, life just got in the way of her being able to join us weekly on the podcast. That being said, we have spoken with her and she will be joining us for future episodes. Maybe not regularly. Hopefully, we might be able to get her back into the fold, but you'll definitely hear from Kendall again. So for now, enjoy our first stumbling episode of Crackpot Cocktail Hour, where we discover and look into the world of Aliens and Artificial Intelligence. Thank you, Crackpots. This podcast This podcast is for the strange and unusual. We are the Kill Squad. Welcome to Crack Not Cocktail Hour. Our theme this week is AI Leans, <laughs> or at least the name of our drink, but I want you to tell them what's in it because you're the mastermind behind the drinks. Thank you. And I pointed at Lacey. So AI Leans, that's the name of the cocktail because mm-hmm. of the theme of our show this week. AI Leans consists of one part vodka, one part blue curacao, two parts pineapple juice, and a half part grenadine. You can add a dash of cranberry if you have it. It doesn't really matter. You can stir or shake that, and then you add um, a dash of pearl dust in different colors. I use blue, purple, black, and silver, along with some edible gold stars sprinkled on top. So the overall effect, I think, resembles a night sky. It's really cool looking. It is really cool looking. Yeah, we will post pictures for sure. So I'm pretty pleased with that. Wait, does this mean that my poop is going to have gold stars in it? Oh my god. Glitter poop. Glitter poop. We asked that question too when I was uh, testing this cocktail on him. He's like, oh, how much of this do I need to eat to get glitter shit? So I'm like, <laughs> great. I'm glad we're all on the same page. Wait, I don't know. Did you inspect your poop today to see if there was glitter in it? Uh, I could not have possibly made that out today. (laughs) (laughs) I will say this. The night that Jake and I met, I was dressed as Kesha, therefore had glitter lips. Oh my god! And um, we made out for a solid four hours at a party because I was too drunk to remember time. And um, we definitely both shit glitter the next day. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, well we're gonna have to update each other. Glitter shit. So I do have to say, aliens are very close to my heart. Yes. Because growing up uh, in Las Vegas, just being south of Area 51, being near Nellis Air Force Base, there were a lot of UFO conspiracies. Uh, I remember watching the X-Files all the time when I was a kid. And just, I feel like this really weird connection to like alien conspiracy theories. I have a warm spot in my heart for aliens. I want to share that and talk about my warm spot for aliens as well. 
But I, I didn't really realize that I had a special, like, feeling about aliens. Like, when we first were talking about this, I was like, this is really interesting, but I don't feel, like, as familiar with this as I would think. But I also watched X-Files growing up and watched it with my dad. And we watched, like, X-Files and Unsolved Mysteries and, like, all of the weird History Channel shows. And, like, so I found myself staying up late researching aliens. And I felt, like, this, like, kinship with my dad. And he died um, a couple years ago. And so to be able to feel this connection over time and space with this thing that I didn't know was important to me uh, was really special, actually. I wasn't expecting it to feel like anything, and it meant That's a lot. Awesome. Yeah. No, I love... the What kind of sent it home for me was, you know, I've always loved anything mysterious, whether it's ghosts, aliens, things we don't fully understand and going into what those really could be. I love that whole everything. But, like, reading Ender's Game, Jake's dad actually got the whole series for me, like, so the first four books, the next four books, and then I haven't read the next... I have 12 of the books in that universe. And then just the way that he writes about aliens and what it could be and what it means to not be able to communicate with somebody, like, a different species or whatever. And, like, I just think it's so beautifully done that I yeah. ever since I read those there's a new fascination for sure for what that could mean yeah I've only read uh, the first two but there's just so loved like yeah. I remember wanting to just live in that universe mm-hmm. for a while mm-hmm. yeah you can borrow them anytime I have them all we've so. got a couple yeah but I would love to maybe read the rest today's theory it's it's definitely a very deep discussion chat and I know for a fact we won't be able to get all of the points we want to in because we all love this idea so much um basically it's the idea that aliens are AI. So (laughs) what evidence? I mean, the Earth is four and a half billion years old in a universe that most experts say is pushing 14 billion years old. So if alien life exists, it's safe to say that those aliens will be smarter than us. And one of the quotes that I pulled from one of the articles that I sent you guys that I don't remember, which we'll definitely talk about at the end, it says, once you develop artificial intelligence, you can use that to develop the next generation of thinking and so on. Within 50 years, you not only have a machine that's far smarter than all the previous machines, but certainly smarter than all humans put together. End quote. The question that's asked from there is if whether or not the AI goes on to become conscious and defines its own goals and decide it doesn't need the biological creatures that developed it. And if that's the case, then we can imagine that to aliens who could be billions of years old, older than us, um, they might, they may either already be with us and we can't see them or comprehend them. They're communicating from their world in a language that we haven't evolved enough to understand. Or they don't give a fuck about us, assuming that we're like as small as ants or smaller to them, that it, we just don't matter because we're so low on the food chain. But uh, like right now, we are, we're currently looking for aliens that are like us. We are, um, we have an array of radio telescope dishes in California that are pointed towards and searching for signals from planets that make human evolution possible. Planets we've found and discovered Mm -hmm. that again, that would support our life, not any other kind of life, Mm -hmm. right? Right. And so like, if you also think about evolution and how we become and control the best universal elements, you know, we can imagine that we would first evolve into machines and from there evolve into intelligent energy with the consciousness. If you, if you just think broad spectrum, like how evolution is going to go for everybody. And so one of the articles too that I read, it said that we are not far from contact from alien species just because whatever, um, I mean, and whatever they may be, they, 
we are getting to the point where we may be able to conduct physics experiments, which I think I mentioned to you, but um, that could level the entire universe. So this action alone is going to bring intelligent species to be like, fucking stop. Like, you can't do this. You're going to kill everybody. Calm the fuck down. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I have. I do have. <laughs> I do have the articles I read. The article's called Calm the Fuck Down? Yeah. <laughs> that reminded me. Um, no, one's on BBC. It's called What If the Aliens We Are Looking For Are AI? And the other one is motherboard.vice.com. It's called Why Haven't We Met Aliens Yet? And it's because they've evolved into AI. So that's kind of the general idea of today's discussion because it can go from anywhere from there. And the whole idea has kind of changed the way I see both AI and aliens. I have many thoughts. I know, which is, <laughs> so and I'm, that's why I love this topic so much. <laughs> One of the things I've actually been really getting into recently is uh, cosmic horror. And the base idea behind cosmic horror, which is things like, you know, Lovecraftian horror, we only understand so much of the universe. If you really take into how small the Earth is and how small humanity is and how for a little bit of a blip we've really been here and how little of a blip we are individually, there's so much more out there that we can't even see, that we yeah. can't even comprehend yet because we've only come so far. And that's the basis of cosmic horror are those intangibles because they kind of exist outside the realm of our modern definition. So I think if there are aliens out there, I think you're right that we know that a carbon-based life form as you see on planet Earth is something that's totally possible to exist and evolve in other places. I believe they found uh, microbes or microorganisms on Mars, not necessarily anything with intelligence, but it kind of leaves credence to protein-based life forms. But physics also teaches us that energy is neither created nor destroyed. It merely changes its state, uh, shape form, which is why we have the various states of matter. So it would make sense if to some degree an intelligence could eventually in some way transcend that. And why that may sound like French science right now, it was Kurt Vonnegut who said something to the effect of magic is just science that we have enough, that we just don't understand yet. Mm -hmm. So it would make total sense to me that in some other way life exists. Now, I don't know if it would be in the form of AI or if it's a collective like universal consciousness that's floating out there, maybe we'll we refer to as God or other, <laughs> but I'd be anything. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, existence out there can and intelligence can formulate in a way that we cannot understand. So I really love the idea of uh, advanced intelligence like being uh, like a stop among like human evolution, like it not being like an either or thing, like we created it and then it becomes something else. Like this might be as, as we are trying to evolve ourselves and we implant like cybernetics into our brains to like help us not have strokes or whatever and it just continues to evolve where we're actually living with technology, something like altered carbon Ugh. where we're able to upload ourselves into something that is like more hardware based or more like machine intelligence or artificial intelligence but it's us i like that idea a lot because it kind of expands we could be the aliens like mm -hmm. in to somebody else like right. in the future in that way um i think that's a really interesting idea i also like the idea of um alex what you were saying like a consciousness being an alien like something mm -hmm. that we don't understand uh this research led me to an article that was about uh, is dark matter aliens because it's something that we take for granted that we know is there, but we can't really observe. And is that because whatever it is, is evolved to the, past the point where it knows how to exploit our human perception, yeah. which is so and dark limited. matter is all over the fucking place. Right. And yeah. we don't really understand it. Maybe it's a door that we haven't been able to step through into a part of our universe. 
I just don't think that we have the means to do mm-hmm. so. Like we, we just don't. We don't. One, we don't have the technology. Two, I don't think we. I don't think we. I don't think even if we could see, hear, or understand anything that's out there, I don't even think that that would be a good thing right now. With the mindset of human beings, I mean, you look at the world we're living in today. If they, if we were able to make contact with something we don't understand and we can't communicate with, take Ender's Game for example. Like you can't communicate with them, you're immediately going to think that they're trying to kill us all. But that might mean something completely different to them that we don't understand like and I'm gonna use the book as an example because I fucking love it and it's the whole idea behind it is that you know the buggers came to earth in the book and they started killing humans because to them it didn't matter one life didn't matter because they all shared a consciousness and so they didn't see the big deal they were just looking for a new home and so immediately humans were like they're killing us fuck them fuck their whole world we need to wipe them out and they do it's basically like genocide but for a whole species like I don't even know what that's called xenocide xenocide I think Maybe. that's what they call yeah. it in the book. Yeah. But um, yeah, if we came in contact with an alien that couldn't, we discover that they're there, but we can't communicate, we're immediately going to see them as a threat. And whether they're, they'll, pro- they'll probably be more intelligent than we are, just given statistics and the likelihood of them finding us in the first place. Or I think it's almost a good thing that we haven't found aliens just yet, or we haven't figured out how to communicate with them. We can't even get our own shit together exactly. amongst ourselves as humans <laughs> on one fucking planet that we're destroying. I'm right. pretty sure we're not ready to enter a galactic community at this point in exactly. time. When I think it's really telling that we all immediately agreed to the idea that the way that we will likely meet aliens is when we become dangerous enough mm-hmm. to our own and possibly the universe's very existence that they'll exactly. have to intervene. Like, this is what we think of where we are as humanity, right? It's not an optimistic picture. Yeah, there are actually there are two big theories uh, out there about why aliens would come here. One is because we're just too fucking dangerous, and the yeah. other one is that whatever comes here will need a resource from us. In which case, if they come all this way using technology that is beyond us, we don't stand a fucking chance. They could level us, and it doesn't matter. There's nothing that we can do. Right. Maybe they're like, oh, we just need their magma, so (laughs) break off all the top parts. It's like pouring metal into You can keep the crust. (laughs) (laughs) Let's cut the crust off. (laughs) No one needs that anyway. I like when they cut diagonally. (laughs) If it's in half, I won't use it. Oh, you're one of those. then. No, I just think that um, there's so the universe is fucking giant, and we are pinprick less than that in it. So there's gotta be more. There's definitely things out there, and I think that we're just looking for the wrong things. Yeah, I was reading a thing recently that said to uh, see creatures or humans aliens because that's their entire world mm. is the ocean and the ocean floor and areas which we have still barely discovered, and where this foreign species that keeps coming in that's like, I'm gonna probe you and see what's going (laughs) on. And then I was thinking, okay, imagine you're an anglerfish Mm -hmm. and you're way down the part of the ocean where you can't even see the sun. Mm -hmm. All you know is liquid matter around you and the environment you exist in. Now imagine they're able to surface. Not only can you break through the crust of the water, but there's oxygen up there. And then you realize there's this bright burning ball in the sky sometimes and other times there's a rock in the sky. Mm -hmm. And then that there are also solid places that are not in the water with you. I mean, imagine if a fish had the intelligence of a human being, them coming to the realization of their world outside of the ocean and then planet, then how small the plane of the planet is compared to everything else. Yeah. And we're lower in the universe than the anglerfish. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's uh, the way I like to think about it. 
I like this quote. This was from one of the articles I think you sent. Um, the Why Haven't We Met Aliens? Because They've Evolved Into AI, uh, the Vice Motherboard one. True advanced intelligence will be spirit like, maybe even on par with some people's ideas of ghosts. And I was like, Yes, that, yeah, blew my mind. The idea of those things coexisting and possibly being like the same thing. And that got me to thinking, I, I think a lot about how our perception is just super limited. Anything, even slightly beyond us, would be able to figure out how to be invisible to us. I think like I think so. just very easily if they wanted to like and I, I love that idea but then if you continue with that thought they would also be able to possibly appear to us as whatever and possibly know what we were thinking or like loved ones that we missed or whatever and be able to conjure an image that would in some way connect with us. It's not really grandpa it's something reaching out to you taking the form of grandpa because that's comforting to you. Yeah yeah. Which is actually absolutely fascinating and it's probably a, an easier to understand concept than ghosts themselves than actual spirits because that's i mean 90 percent of people these days have had some kind of a paranormal experience yeah exactly yeah and so if, if you think about it in a completely different perspective of it wasn't someone you loved it wasn't someone that was staying in your house it was somebody that needed to get your attention for some reason interesting i do like that theory mm -hmm. um i had a point on this but we've been drinking dude i know <laughs> my drink is empty and i'm feeling it <laughs> um, i think yours was the biggest one too so thanks for hosting or to a degree, it would make sense because I mean, where does folklore and mythology come from? I mean, mythology used to explain the seasons because Persephone was dragged to the underworld for half of the year, and Demeter would get so sad that she missed her that the Earth would pretty much die for half the year. So all of our folklores we've learned over time, no, it's because of planetary rotation, because the Earth being on its axis and the Earth orbiting the Sun, and those are things that we had to learn over time. But back then, the only way we could equate it was to a mythology. Or folklore. Mm -hmm. So it would make sense because we still have modern folklores and we are learning things more and more, but things that are still unexplained to us, it's not that they're unexplainable, it's just that they're currently improbable and intangible to us. And even if it were explained to us, we would have no way to understand what it is. Yeah. You know, and I think that, Lacey, was it you that was talking about this when we, were, we went to breakfast the other day and it was, you think that people who are either psychic, or was it you? Um, or something. That's they my just, psychic theory. <laughs> they just have a deeper understanding of the things that we're surrounded by. A subconscious understanding. Okay, or schizophrenics. Yeah. Yeah, I like to bring the mental illness thing into it. Absolutely. Yeah, that, like, maybe That's definitely Lacey. <laughs> yeah, you're open to another bit of, like, perception that the rest of us are just shutting out because it's more functional for us, yeah. too, so we just kind of learn that. Yeah. yeah. Shut out the things you don't understand. That make, that's basic humans. Instead of <laughs> leaning into it, mm -hmm. you know, which... Which maybe some not, people do. And not to say that anyone has, like, control over their, like, mental illness or anything, but I think, like, the idea that some of it could be, like, a, per a perceptual advantage in some way is really mm -hmm. interesting. Yeah. Going back to my psychic theory, one of the big traits about humanity is that we're able to detect patterns. It's how we're able to discover mathematics. It's how we're able to build right. things. It's how we're able to evolve mentally. And so because, you know, everything's based on patterns, you see dark clouds on the horizon heading in your direction. You don't need to be a genius to know that's probably means rain or a storm is coming and go inside. And those are just things that you just build up over time. And so I think when it comes to psychics, and I don't want to take anything away from anyone who considers themselves a psychic or has had an unexplained experience, Lord knows Such as yourself. I have a ton of my own stories. But my theory is that underneath all that, on some subconscious level, because we're always trying to solve problems, we're always trying to detect patterns, which is how people see faces and orbs which may not actually exist, 
you're able to detect enough patterns based on exposure around you that maybe you might think of something and then you experience it a week later, not because you necessarily have some sort of like cosmic connection with the universe or spirits told you or whatever you think the reason for your quote-unquote visions are, but I think it's more of there's a part of your brain that's like, this is about to happen because it hasn't happened in a while, and probability states X. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason you were thinking about it. And that's why I had my Monster Mash prediction. <laughs> <laughs> You've heard Monster Mash on an endless loop for a while now, so it's about time. Because it's been a while since Halloween. <laughs> it's always <laughs> Halloween in my heart. I will let you know. <laughs> so, so people know the Monster Mash story. Back in probably about January or February, randomly one day I had the Monster Mash of all fucking things stuck in my head. The original recording. You had the mash? I had the monster mash. <laughs> and so I had it stuck in my head and my husband and I were grocery shopping and he realized he forgot to get something. So I'm down in the parking garage while he goes up to the grocery store to get something. And I'm like, song is stuck in my head. Best way to get a song out of your head is to listen to it. So I pull up my phone because I obviously have it on my phone because I'm that kind of person. And I just start like jamming out to the monster mash in the car, like blasting it. You can't and listen to the monster mash. So you have to do volume. the mash. Yeah. It's a graveyard smash. So Heath, my husband, comes down to the car and I'm mid-song, mid-dance, and so, and he just, he lets it happen and I explain, sorry, I've just had this in my head all day. So we go home and we've been re-watching The Simpsons, which I probably haven't watched since the early 2000s, and we're going through the old episodes, and the episode we're watching that night is the Valentine's Day episode when Lisa gives the Valentine to Ralphie and he thinks that she likes him. And at the very end of the episode, it concludes with the two of them being friends and they're on the swing set and Chief Wiggum is in his car and he's watching Ralphie and Lisa have this beautiful moment and he's like, all's well, that's end well or how whatever the fuck he says. And he turns on the radio and it's the fucking monster mash. <laughs> and my husband turns to me, looks me dead in the eye and goes, I fucking hate you. <laughs> <laughs> So because like weird little things like this will happen where like something will get in my head or like I'll mention something and then like it happens like a day or so later. That's the theory that I might be a little psychic, but in all likelihood, I've seen that episode before. And so probably in the back of my head, I knew we were approaching this episode. I probably somewhere in the back of my mind remembered listening to this song during this episode. Mm -hmm. So it preemptively got stuck in my head. Who knows what our brain decides to store in all that jello we have. I don't know how my brain works. Uh, There's one bit. uh, I found a website uh, that said uh, it's popsci.com. It's a popular science website. Uh, Article title is our first contact with aliens might be with their robots. Mm -hmm. So um, not the idea that like maybe aliens are biologically but they've created AI and sent it out to us. And I just love this quote. Um, One of the main scholars in this area seems to be Susan Schneider. Mm -hmm. uh, And she's uh, a professor at University of Connecticut. And she's written about SETI a lot. Thank you. (laughs) Um, But this quote I love. And it it introduced a term to me that I'd never heard before that Mm -hmm. I think is perfect for this. Quote, we just don't have any clue if consciousness could be non-biological. I'm actually concerned that technological civilizations may not last long. But if they do, there's a lot of reasons to believe they'll be post biological. 
-hmm. they'll enhance their brains towards synthetic intelligence. And so she's like, maybe once we get technology, we'll be so dangerous to ourselves that we just destroy ourselves. And that's the nature of like civilizations. But if we do get technology and it doesn't destroy us, then we'll become post-biological. And I thought the term post-biological was like... It's brilliant. Oh, I loved it. Well, yeah. And the way that you think about that too is if we are not biological and we are either a machine or like the other article read the quote that you read that we're like a consciousness or a ghost or you know, we can make ourselves appear to someone however we want teleportation at that point mm-hmm. doesn't matter you could be at any point in the universe that you want to be with no time because yeah. there's no physical element to it whatsoever mm-hmm. and especially if you could pass through computers and computers probably in the next 150 years are going to be like a very old name for something you know what i mean like right yeah so i just think like imagine stretching yourself between light years different planets different galaxies and you could be there instantaneously because again you're not a physical being that evolution wise makes sense post biological yes say you're a ghost in the shell yes But then also that begs the question of, are we more than our memories? I think so. Because if you're, because like there are actual places where you can record what you're doing and it actually does get uploaded. But then you can also, like the question is, are you more than that memory? So I've thought about this a lot as someone who has always had a terrible, like passive memory. Mm -hmm. I'm really good at memorizing like poems and like memorizing things when I need to. But like when I'm living my life, my brain's like, don't care, not remember. (laughs) (laughs) Not important. Yeah, like it's part, it's a lot of stuff. Like me with my keys. Like a little bit, yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, I guess we're just not gonna remember shit. It's like partly childhood trauma, partly like being in pain and like dissociating Mm -hmm. from my own experience. And like, just, I understand like why it happened but it's still not super soothing. Um, But a lot of, like, sci-fi explores, like, the idea that we are, like, all we are is our memories. Like, I've I've seen, like, I can't, it's hard for me to think of one now, but, like, I've seen several things that's, like, all you are is, like, what you remember. All you, like, your whole life is only, like, the experiences that you can remember. And, like, the sixth day. I obsessively journaled for years every single day, feeling, like, at the end of every day, like, it was very OCD, like, personality part of me. Mm to be able to just ever at the end of every day like how how do I get all of the details down so that like I can go back and find out like what my life is because I know I will not remember mm-hmm. <laughs> like what I was doing in sixth grade or whatever uh, yeah so I feel like my standpoint is we have to be more than our memories because I'm like not a person if we're only our memory yeah. well I think that also leads into nature versus nurture to a degree like I think if you believe it's nature then we are 100% more than our memories mm-hmm. but if you think it's nurture you become the person that you your memories make you into and I but I, I honestly think it's a happy medium of both because your memories change you yes they change who you are you know I think that's just a part of life biological or not but I think also, again, I'm going to go back to, to Ender's Game. So in the second book, Speaker of the Dead, he has that friend called Jane, right? And she lives in the Ansibles is what it calls it, like in the computer. She can, to every second for us, it's a thousand years for her. She's so intelligent. She knows every human language. and it's But she's still in and of herself her own being. But it's because when she remembers becoming an entity, a thing, right? Aware. Aware. She all, like immediately had access and was able to see all the memories 
of anybody she wanted to, of any computer she wanted to. And so that helped her decide what was important to her, but mm-hmm. she herself was already a being. And mm-hmm. so I think it's it's a little bit of both. Yeah. Well, I think in addition, like we know, what we know about memory from like a research point of view is that every time we remember something, we change it. We mm-hmm. change the memory mm-hmm. of that thing. And so it has to be hand in hand, both the things that we've been through and who we're actively becoming in the mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. That question always makes me think about amnesia or mm-hmm. people that have never regained memories from amnesia because mm. as you guys know I have a recent experience with amnesia <laughs> but my amnesia only it only lasted a few hours the big brunt of it only lasted a few mm. hours and then the time that was lost was more like a time dilation of about maybe a year and a half to two years even though I there were things I didn't remember I didn't remember how like I got from point A to point B I didn't know how I ended up on the mountain that I was on I was still me I was mm. still reacting right. as me so there's mm. how you that you carry with you. I yeah, think so, yeah. So I wonder like how much of it goes down to cellular memory because no matter what, I'll always know how to draw because my hand knows how to do that. Mm. Once you've edited a being so much, even if you remove one part of it, how much of it is still that being? So even if yeah. I like were to upload my memories into another computer and were to put it into another vessel, how much of me transfers with that? And then assuming like my consciousness is transferred to two vessels, do both continue as me or is there two new versions of me mm. because they're going to experience different things and that's going to mold them in different ways even if they have the same memory so have you guys heard of there's been a couple experiments and i've also read a book about it about people who are trying to measure the weight of the human spirit yes and so like there was like one missing done. pound yes there's 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 weight that leaves the body when you die there's no way that's gas doesn't weigh that much and these are the most like sensitive scale uh, scale yes <laughs> Was this first one's done in like a tuberculosis ward or something like that? It was because they knew they were going to die. And so it's like, that's the thing is you, the only way to measure that is when you know somebody's going to die. And what, where I had read about it in like a fictional setting was in one of the Da Vinci Code books, because this, it was her life's work to be able to prove that there was a difference, that there was a human soul. If you think about the fact that there is a weight to it, they've proven this now, that once you die, your body weighs a little, like it's like a minuscule amount weighs different. Eight grams or something. There's like a movie. Right. A title, something like that. Yeah. And so what if, what if our biological bodies are just hosts to our soul? You Mm -hmm. know, I think that, and again, we get into religious things here, but I think what that means is that there's so much more after our human life that we can experience. But again, Mm -hmm. evolution wise, what if that's exactly what aliens are? Mm -hmm. And what if, once again, aliens are ghosts? Are one and the same. And what if aliens, ghost, and dark matter are the same? So when we die, we actually transcend to dark matter, and we can play in the like spirit realm or in the physical realm. To me, I think that's yeah. fascinating. I mean, also, I mean, if energy is neither created nor destroyed, I mean, we've all heard that we're all made of stardust. So is trash. Everything's made of stardust. You're not special. <laughs> Sorry, gotta get that out there. We're all made of trash. <laughs> First t-shirt. <laughs> Our Patreon account is... <laughs> We're all made of trash talk. <laughs> um, but if energy is neither created nor destroyed, like I've read a lot of things that are like, if you really think about it, we're the universe's chance to explore itself. Yeah. To understand itself. And so, I mean, when we die, yes, our <laughs> physical bodies die. Sorry, I was making a masturbation joke in my head. 
<laughs> about how we're all trash. No, about how the universe is really exploring itself. <laughs> <laughs> I touch myself. <laughs> That's what probes are. Oh, oh, see again, loop around, big full circle. It all comes back to sex, really. We're just the universe masturbating. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> it really comes down to second teacher. <laughs> Um, but I mean if we're all part of the same universe the same core energy then when we die all it really is is just us transferring back into that energy we're all so what if we are aliens what if we are the evolved aliens but because we're in this form right now we don't know or if we are aliens then that would also give credence to the fact that if we're all part of the same energy then we are both aliens and humans at the same time right because we're created from the same source. I think that may explain why we can never, uh, we f- and maybe we will, but maybe we won't fully understand the full power of 100% brain. If we're all aliens, I feel like I did something wrong in the alien community for them to punish me by putting me into this human body. <laughs> but when you think about 14 and a half billion years, this is a, like a blip in time. Yeah. So speaking of aliens and exploring, I actually pulled up this article, and this is uh, on CNN. This was published on the 5th of November. Remember, remember. <laughs> I love you so much. Of January 18, and there was an interstellar object that actually passed through the edge of our solar system that was cigar shaped. And a cigar I shape is actually that. one mm-hmm. of the I remember that common UFO tro- tropes. Mm-hmm. Like there's mm-hmm. the saucer, there are the lights, so usually a triangle shape and a uh, cigar shape. Uh, anyway, so this article says a mysterious cigar shaped object spotted tumbling through our solar system last year may have been an alien spacecraft sent to investigate Earth. Astronomers from Harvard University have suggested. Now, I'm going to skip over a lot of, like, the craziness about it, because there have been, like, a lot of papers, but there's also a chance that this is just kind of jumping to conclusions, right. essentially. So, the theory is based on the object's excess acceleration, or its unexpected boost in speed as traveled through and ultimately out of our solar system in January. Considering an artificial origin, one possibility is that it is a light sail floating on interstellar space as debris from, an ad- from advanced technological equipment. So, essentially, it would be sailing on solar radiation. So it would have found a way to tap into that to propel it. I feel like I read this. I posted it on my Facebook. Mm. I am, I'm sure I interacted with that article. <laughs> yeah, I think you actually did. I think no, you actually did. You you gave me the gif. Here's the thing about memories. Coming back. <laughs> you gave me a gif response of Scully standing next to a cop car looking unamused and it's... <laughs> Oh god. <laughs> it's a skeptical sign intensified. <laughs> I love that you remember that. I stand by that gift. Another reason why I appreciate you so much. <laughs> well, that just reminds me a little bit about Skinwalker Ranch because most of the time, while they would see things in the distance, whether they were like flying or above ground, they would mostly see lights. Mm-hmm. And they were like either blue or yellow lights at different heights um, and at different distances. Mm-hmm. But also what they remembered feeling was one was an insane bodily fear mm-hmm. that almost made the guy that lived there, which I forget his name, um, it, it said it made him almost want to curl up in a ball and like start crying. Or Gorman. Like, Gorman, yes. So it was like a primal fear. Yes, mm-hmm. he was so afraid. And it was just another light, one that they've seen a million times. But then there was another one before that that he and his wife saw, and it just made them feel such joy. 
like they were excited about it. It was like euphoria. Yeah, yeah. And so again, like circling all the way back to it being a an entity or something that like it's a it's a non-physical being. Imagine if they could make it feel what they feel. Maybe it was afraid, and that's why that's what they felt, mm. and that's how they were trying to communicate. Is this is what I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. And same with the euphoria, is this is what I'm feeling, so you need to feel it so we can try and understand each other, but... That gives me, like, big arrival feels. (laughs) (laughs) And that's huge, because they, people before them, there's no other record of any of these, like, the, like, area, yes, there's records of things like this happening, but not to that level where people remember the feelings that they had. Mm -hmm. And and that actually kind of goes against the receptivity theory, because the Gormans were, like, by all accounts, not interested in UFOs or aliens (laughs) or any of that shit, and they were like, we are just trying to make money off our cattle and they keep dying and having their buttholes cut out. I know, that was the weirdest part. They're freaking cow butts. (laughs) Well, Bessie done got her butthole cut out again. (laughs) Bessie? Again. This is like Bessie 4. This is the third Bessie this week. All the cows are named Bessie? (laughs) Every single one. It's more convenient. No, Bessie 27! (laughs) Oh no, not me 27. She was my favorite. Yeah, so I just, again, just because of the feelings, that's what stuck out to me the most about Skinwalker Yeah, That, to me, says they're trying to communicate, and we just don't understand it. So, expanding on this, Mm -hmm. so I'm sure you guys have heard of the death box. I'm Um, sorry? Excuse me? (laughs) I mean, yes, we both are very versed, but for our (laughs) listeners, what's the death box? (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, it was the original experiments into using sound as a weapon. And it was first discovered by these two scientists where they would realize that in their laboratory, they started getting really weird feelings. Like, almost sick feelings, very uncomfortable, like your skin is crawling. And it turned out that there was a fan that was blowing into their area, but one of the blades was just a little bit damaged. And because the frequency it was developing because of the rate it was uh, going mm-hmm. was creating these uh, waves that they could not see, but it was creating a reaction in them. Oh my gosh. And it was something the U.S. military actually tried to weaponize, and there actually are blueprints and patents for it, but there's no actual confirmed use of it. But it is theorized that it was used during the Vietnam War when we were also blasting music in the Vietnam mm-hmm. Force, and also uh, when we were using the quote-unquote fake ghost recordings to scare of uh, Viet Cong soldiers to make it think that if you died in the forest, your spirit would wander forever. So it is something that is, to a degree, a proven science, where sound waves can, to a degree, affect you, even if they're on like such a level where you don't even notice it. And a lot of people, when they're around UFOs, they say that they feel almost like they're vibrating mm. or a humming or something like that, and it can create these different feelings. And I wouldn't be surprised if either some sort of government technology has been exploring this which could be what they were experiencing at Skinwalker Ranch, just an experiment. Mm-hmm. Or if an artificial intelligence has worked higher on that, or an alien intelligence has worked on it to a point where you can actually manipulate emotions in certain areas, just not only with sound, but probably other waves that we can't even think to tap into at this point in mm-hmm. time. Interesting. I don't know about experiment, just because... So the case with... And you have to listen to it, because it's such a good episode. I kind of want to read the book of last podcast on the left. Um, talk about how the light seemed intelligent but because it, it it seemed to be looking for Gorman and at one point he do- dove into the hay like the haystack and mm-hmm. hidden there and it saw like it, it should have seen him do that but it was still looking for him like it couldn't see him when it couldn't see him kind of thing mm. 
And so it was almost like, for me, that felt playful, almost. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. it was looking for him to play or whatever, but, um, or okay. young. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so it's just, I don't know, again, I think that also taps back into ghosts. Like, if they can make us feel things, the things mm-hmm. that people have felt when they were haunted, mm-hmm. or experienced, you know, seeing them, or like a ghost passed through them, and how they feel, again, I think it could be a way of communication. Well, and I, it all goes back to how primitive we are, and like right. anything, even slightly beyond us, would be like, oh, okay, it's just easy to make them feel sad. You just like put a weird fan up, and like, they don't know how to <laughs> deal with themselves. Right. Well, or just ants. A lot of debunked hauntings actually usually come down to people being like, I feel really awkward in my cellar. And it turns out that's where all of the power boxes are. And just because of the electricity and just because of the different frequencies that are coming off of it, just depending on what you have down there. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily there's a ghost hanging out down there, but it's something else that's interacting with your body because we consistently forget that we do have uh, bioenergy inside of us. Mm -hmm. That we do have energy that's what makes our heart keep pumping we actually mm-hmm. have a channel of bioelectric energy going through our body it's not it's not that potent i'm pretty <laughs> sure that being said it still interacts with energy around us like right the hair on her exactly arm just stood up she turned around because my hand is hovering <laughs> over i knew her, you were there and i can feel your energy coming yep, off you. i can feel a lot of psychics yeah a lot of psychics call it you yeah. know the aura yeah but it's just the energy that's part of us interacting with energy around us. I took an online test, but I was in a really bad place mentally to see what color my aura was, and it was black. And I was like, oh, yeah, it feels about right. <laughs> <laughs> and Lacey's are Slytherin. <laughs> <laughs> no, what was fun about, um, and I love that you mentioned energy, is a lot of the aliens at the ranch, they turned things magnetic. Like, when they would see a light in a certain space, mm-hmm. it made their, um, like, they drove past, I think it was their cattle, and then, like, decided to come back because they saw something like 10 minutes later they turned back and all of their cattle that were in that pen were gone and if and and then the the ring itself was actually magnetic and the cows were in the locked trailer that was next to the pen crammed in there crammed in there and they hadn't opened it in years (laughs) jesus and they were just in the trailer and this was 10 minutes after they had just driven past which is kind of playful like exactly they're playful. They're trying to communicate emotions. Like, this could be elementary beings trying to communicate with us. Yeah. Well, I mean, most animals also have that, uh, the thing in their frontal lobe that will, like, help them detect earthquakes and things like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And there's a woman in California, and it's been documented because she only gets really bad headaches or headaches at all right before an earthquake. Mm. And it's found that she has, like, something extra on her frontal lobe that most people don't, and it's believed that she has something very similar to what a lot of, like, aquatic life and what a lot of wildlife has. Like the, that magnetic sense, kind of. Exactly. And we humans, be, maybe it's because we think we're so superior, maybe we've evolved beyond it to a degree. Mm. But it does also kind of like add to the whole, you know, tapping into the energy around you. If your brain can grow a fucking lobe that can connect to a magnetic field... <laughs> <laughs> through evolution, not necessarily in humans, but in a species at fucking all. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, don't sharks use uh, energy around them? Like some certain sharks? Isn't it, I'm probably I, wrong about that. I thought it was like sonar know. sound is what they use. Sonar? Is that that's dolphins. whales. Whales and dolphins. I don't know enough about animals. sharks, I'm sad to say. But, I mean, a lot of aquatic life. Yeah. Certain aquatic species yeah. uh, can use like those have like those sorts of fields on their brains, so it would make sense that that would be a very primitive way to connect with us. Yeah. Well, just like I think emotions are the the base of who you are. Yeah. It's the things that you feel. 
and at, in certain situations. And I think that again goes back to the are we our memories or are we our own people? And I think we are our own people. I think our memories change us. But I also think that again those emotions and the way that things whether they trigger you could be your memories serving into who you are, or it could just be who you are. Certain things make you upset. Certain things get you really excited, and where they might not get me or Lacey excited, you know. And it's like it's nurture versus nature. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. At its at, at at a much more advanced degree than the, the obvious question. But I think that, you know, eventually, probably in the next hundred years, we will have alien contact because someone's going to figure out how to end the universe. Oh, yeah. And they're not going to let, and no advanced species is going to let that happen because it's their home too. And then I think at that point, it's going to just open up this world of evolution. And if you just even think about how far technology has come since we were born. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember when we got our first DVD player. Like, oh, God, I remember. Internet at home wasn't a thing. Computers at home weren't a thing. Like, so. In 2000 and 2001, mm-hmm. I'm just gonna let you know what my bedroom looked like. Mm, okay, paint me a picture. So, <laughs> in my bedroom, because I was so cool, I mm-hmm. had my bed in the corner under the window, and I actually yeah. I had an electronic headboard that my father built, so like I could turn on the lights and everything. Oh, cool. With my headboard. Okay. I had a sofa next to my bed because it was so cool. Yeah, yeah, you're so cool. And then across from my bed. I had a desk mm-hmm. with a PC. So in 2001, in 2001, I had a PC with a dial-up connection uh-huh. on my desk in the corner with a big boxy monitor, right, a big right. boxy PC. I had a desk where like you could hide the PC so yep. people couldn't see it. And then I had my dresser, and on my dresser, I had a TV that had a remote control, a color TV with a remote control, mm-hmm. and a VCR. That's wild. And I thought I was the fucking shit because you probably were in 2001. The fact that you yeah. had a computer in your room, but anyway. Um, but yeah, again, think about how far we've come in mm-hmm. 18 years, 19 years. It's insane. And it's only going to keep going quicker and quicker. Things yeah. are going to keep advancing faster than we even know what to do with. So, so I just think it's only a matter of time. So I was telling he this morning that I have this theory. There are no unique ideas. There are just unique solutions. Mm-hmm. And an example is humans want to cross the, want to cross the ocean and want to cross on water, both in Europe and in Asia, mm-hmm. with little co- to no contact with each other. And both societies develop sailboats, but they're completely different. Mm-hmm. So there are no unique ideas. Mm-hmm. They're just unique solutions. I want to be able to talk to someone on Pluto right now, immediately, and have someone living on Pluto. The idea itself is not unique. How we're going to do that is unique. And so yeah. that's where the evolution of technology comes from. That's hmm. where we actually build on our ideas and expand And Okay, well, we've already figured out this piece, but my idea is to get to this piece. What can I build on to get to that piece? Right. I do 100% agree with you that I think that some sort of contact will be made yeah. Uh, if it hasn't already been made. Also, a lot of UFOs started being spotted around. We talked about this at breakfast after World War II. Yeah. So after we started dropping nukes all over the fucking place, we they realized we had that technology. Once we split the atom, dropped an atom bomb, created a hydrogen bomb, and have just escalated mm. our knowledge of nuclear technology, that's when people really started seeing UFOs all over the fucking place. And yeah. I think that was our first giant leap into that world if aliens do exist because we're like, wait, holy fucking shit, where are the humans doing over here? It's also kind of amazing that we, and not that I'm like wishing for anything, like I think this is a good thing, but it's the fact that we we realized and we harnessed that power in World War II, 1945, right? And haven't used it since. Yeah. I think that, that, I think that you could be right about that. Like there's a reason why 
Like, again, nukes are a thing, but they've not been used. Yeah. It's... The Cold War alone shows how terrified we are of using them. Yes. Yeah. Um, I actually I have a thing on my phone that says one time humans got so out of control we had to drop literal nukes on them just to calm them the fuck down. This talk about our um, continued like evolution of technology, I wanted to bring up a bit about the technological singularity. Mm-hmm. You guys know this? <laughs> yes! When technology becomes self-aware and the AI comes. Yeah, basically. Uh, yeah. It, it was popularized by Werner Vinge in his 93 essay, The Coming Technological Singularity. He wrote in that- 93? 1993. Uh, it's, it, uh, I looked up, you know, a uh, really uh, heavy source on this. It's called Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> Never heard oh of it. Oh my word. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty deep web. Um, but yeah, it's when AI happens. It's when the did tech- you have to go into a tour site for that. I did. I had to download special software, have a bunch of fake names and IPs. Um, it's when technological growth becomes uncontrollable and irreversible, resulting in changes that we can't even, from our current standpoint, understand or uh, have any way of predicting. But he wrote that he would be surprised if it occurred between uh, if it occurred before 2005 or after 2030. So it's now. He thinks. It's, it's like, like we're in the window. It's like, yeah, any minute now. <laughs> I can see it, to be honest, with where we're at. We've created racist AI over and over. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Fucking yeah. racist AI. So actually, uh, I want to say it's Berkeley. They developed this computer program that's trying to mimic the intelligence of a worm. And so it's this worm that, lists, that exists only in the digital world mm-hmm. and is supposed to react the way a normal worm does. Mm-hmm. And because they're trying to get it to interact with its environment and just pick things up, and it's just the intelligence of a fucking worm. A lot of people think that this is the first step toward that yeah, because they're so. teaching it to learn. Well, what people want is, I think, that how technology has evolved is people want convenience. You think about any technology we have, and it's all about getting to do it quicker, getting to do more at once, Mm -hmm. like getting to make more money, anything that's more convenient. And so I think that having a computer software or even like an AI that can mimic the human any human job or any even human thought which I did read a study that said that it takes it would take a computer right now to do one single like human thought would take a computer 40 minutes so it's like we're not as near as we think Mm -hmm. to it but you know it could start with simple tasks like robots and all that and then it could go into where will you need a if you need an AI to do something creatively that's when we're going to start needing them to have a mind of their own because creativity is again you get a computer to do that and we're basically done for but going back to I think um, was a speaker of the dead how we think of consciousness we also think of intelligence as like a person has a set of things that they can do but if there were machines that were highly specialized like savant machines was the term I read like Mm -hmm. in different areas if they could form a network then creativity might be like much easier for them that's true because it's multiple machines at once right so I'm gonna bring video games into this I'm into it my favorite video game series is the Mass Effect series and we were eventually gonna land here (laughs) we're getting here sooner than I thought. Uh, So in Mass Effect, they actually do talk about uh, AI versus organics. And there's a species called the Quarians, and they create a species called the Geth. And the Geth actually just start off as helper robots. Like, they just, they work the fields. They're little more than just helper bots. They're, like, advanced Roombas. Mm -hmm. And eventually the Geth gain artificial intelligence, and a war breaks out between the two of them, and the uh, the Quarians go into exile. So, like, they live like this migrant 
fleet and the Geth take over the planet. And the entire idea is they explain it because they're like, well, the council in this galaxy don't allow for the exploration of artificial intelligence. And the Corian that's on your crew explains, you don't understand. We were making minor uh, upgrades over time. They had a network intelligence so they could work together and so they could develop together. <laughs> and we were not working on it in a way that we would create artificial intelligence. We were just trying to make more efficient Geth. Mm -hmm. And then one day, a Geth asked, does this unit have a soul? And that's when they realized what they had done. It's all, it's like what every future technological thing gets to. Does a computer have a soul? And I think that pulls into the whole our aliens AI. Yeah. yeah. Well, the big theme of Mass Effect is AI mm -hmm. versus organic. Mm. And they discovered in Mass Effect like eons ago, you find out that the entire universe is working or the entire galaxy is working on a cycle. It's almost like a petri dish mm -hmm. where every 50,000 years, all life is wiped out, machine and man. Yeah. Mm. And then like the same like areas of evolution will occur and then it's wiped out again is because a species called the Reapers is trying to find a solution for the organic versus AI problem because it's like one way or another you're all going to kill each other yeah and what's deemed to be the ultimate evolution is uh, what they call synthesis where you would blend organic and uh, AI which I think is how you get altered carbon because yeah. you do have benefits to being an AI versus an organic and vice versa as an AI, you can transfer consciousness, you can process faster, you can upgrade better, you can upgrade faster, but with biological, you can adapt more, you can adapt better to your local environment, and you also have the ability of regeneration, reproduction, and healing. If you have the fastest computer in the world, it's still going to break down. Um, your car, your engine breaks down over time because micro fractures are being created on those pieces over time and eventually they fail. And where you have that happening with your muscles and your tendons, you also have healing properties in your body, which is why we all outlive our cars. Mm. So the final evolution going to a big thesis, I think that we've all been talking about yeah. here would be an energy beyond the technological and beyond the organic. Not needing a physical yeah. like host. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that that's the perfect way to end the entire conversation, to be honest, is that if we wind up as just an energy, a, a ghost, in yeah. a way. Mm -hmm. Ghost in the show. Um, Mass effect. Ghost or alien, Her. whatever. They could be the same thing. They probably are the same thing. Yeah. And yeah. also, there's so little about the universe that we understand. Yeah, exactly. we don't even understand our own planet, our own damn brains. And well, we've, we've not got even all been this space. Yeah. We've not been to the bottom of the ocean. We don't understand the full brain power. What that, what you could yeah. accomplish if you used a hundred percent of your brain. We still have so much that we're learning. So I have I think a thing that, for this. I yeah. swear to God, because I so fucking weird. Of the five percent of the ocean that we've discovered and studied, only about twenty percent of the wildlife within that space has been studied. <laughs> So, 20% of 5%. Yeah. <laughs> of the entire fucking ocean. That's, like, insane. That's 1%. Yeah. Of the ocean, like, essentially. It's fucking nothing. So both, I understand and that we... And this is our planet. We need I know. To, we need to search for life that is beyond resembling us, but also, like, we don't even understand us or what, like, biological life on Earth looks like, let alone to begin to understand what that might look like elsewhere. Yeah. So, which, to me, says that, like, we can't even begin to... To, uh, we just need to keep learning to mm -hmm. ensure, like, I don't know, the efficacy of everything that we're studying. It, it all leads to something else. I think we need to continue.
continue to keep learning about ourselves, about our bodies, about our planet, about the universe, and it just never really ends. So, I'm gonna quote something really weird. Do it. So, we remember Men in Black? Yeah, of course! <laughs> when Tommy Lee Jones is talking to Will Smith when he invites him to join the Men in Black, mm-hmm. and he's like, people used to know the Earth was flat. People used to know all this stuff, and today, this morning, you knew you were the only one in the universe. And right now, we think that we've come so fucking far, and we're like, we're starting to understand evolution and shit like that. And then imagine 2,000 years from from now, now, people are going to look back and be like, you stupid motherfuckers. We don't know shit. We don't know shit. Yeah. Comparatively. The only thing I know is that I know nothing. (laughs) Yeah. Socrates? I don't know. Who said it? You know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fucking nailed it. It was Socrates. What up, bitches? Socrates. Socrates. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Never um, forget the original TED Talk. <laughs>